Mesech's Brachos, Perek Vov, Mishnah Beis, until Perek Vov, Mishnah Hey. In the previous Mishnah, we began our discussion over various different Brachos which one makes on different types of food. Now, there are some Brachos which are very general, whereas others are more specific. For example, Beri Priha Doma, the Brach which praises Hashem for creating the fruit of the ground, encompasses many different things. In fact, you could argue that many other Brachos are included in this. For example, Beri Priha 8, when you make a Bracha on fruit of a tree. If you think about it, it would make sense to say the bracha of Beri Priha Doma, even for fruit of a tree, because the tree just comes out of the ground. And because of this, our Mishnah tells us, If somebody mistakenly made the blessing of Beri Priha Doma, blesses the one who creates the fruit of the ground, he said that on fruit of the tree, so he has fulfilled his obligation, once he's done it, because the fruit of a tree is just a specific category within fruit of the ground. And therefore, fruit of the ground encompasses fruit of the tree as well. And therefore, which means ideally, one should make the right bracha, specifically for the tree. But once you've done it, it's okay, because fruit are encompassed and included in fruit of the ground. On the other hand, if you make a where you bless Hashem for creating the fruit of the tree, you make that bracha on produce of the ground, which doesn't come from a tree, in this case, so you haven't fulfilled your obligation even once you've done it. You're going to have to make another bracha, because fruit which grow in the ground, or vegetables, have nothing to do with a tree. Now the Mishnah ends off by telling us that all the brachas which we've mentioned so far, and we're going to understand this to include even bread and even wine, are kulam for all of them. In Omar Shahakol Nyebidvarai, if somebody mistakenly said the bracha of Shahakol Nyebidvarai, which means, bless this Hashem, that everything came into existence, and was created by his word, then Yotzu fulfilled your obligation for the same reason. Because the bracha of Sha'akol Nyebidvarai includes everything. It says it in the bracha, Sha'akol, everything. And therefore, even though Lechat Chila, ideally, one should be specific with his brachas, if you said a more encompassing bracha, which does include that, then Bediyeved, after you've done it, Yotzu, you would fulfill your obligation, and you would not need to make another bracha. Mishnah Gimel. So Sha'akol works for anything, but that's only Bediyeved which means it's not ideal, but if you do it, then you fulfill your obligation. However, there are also lots of things whose bracha is shakol nyebidvoroi lechatchila, meaning ideally you should make that bracha, and that's the only bracha which would work. And the basic rule for what one makes a shakol on is al for something which does not grow from the ground, ome shakol, one makes a bracha of shakol nyebidvoroi that everything was created with Hashem's word. So meat, fish, that would all be shakol. Now, as well as that, something which is part of a category of foods which has a specific bracha, but this food is less significant than most things in that category. So, for example, alachaymets, for vinegar. So, vinegar comes from wine which has left for a long time and has spoiled. So, really, vinegar is part of the category of beripriagofen, which we make on wine. But since it's far less significant of a food than wine, we give it a much more general bracha, which is shahakal. Like we saw in the first mission of our Perek, something which is a significant food has a very specific bracha. For example, bread and wine. But something which is much less significant gets taken out of that category and is given the most general bracha, which is shahakal. Similarly, valhanovlois. For unripe fruit, if fruit falls off the tree before it properly ripens, again, it should have a sp- it's part of the category of fruit of a tree, which is a specific bracha. But since it's less significant and sort of lower quality, so it has the bracha of shahakal. And thirdly, Valagivai. And for locusts as well, a Mishahakal, I would say Shahakal, because it doesn't grow from the ground. Now, the reason why the Mishnah has to specify locusts here, 
even though we already know that anything which doesn't grow from the ground is a shahakal, is because we're going to see that Rabbi Yehuda will argue on that point. But be as it may, for these three things, only shahakal one would say shahakal. And, alecholov, for milk, valagavina, and for cheese, valabitsim, and for eggs, Omer Shahakal, one would say Shahakal, and seemingly this is quite unnecessary for the Mishnah to tell us this, because we already said that something which doesn't grow from the ground is a Shahakal. And the truth is, this part of the Mishnah is taken out of many versions, including the Gomorrah's version. However, some versions do have it, and the reason why is possibly because I might have thought that these things come from animals, and the animal will only produce these if it eats enough food from the ground. So I might have thought that the bracha for milk and cheese and eggs should be the same as the bracha for things which come from the ground. And that's why the Mishnah tell us, no, it's really a shahakal, because at the end of the day, these things do not grow from the ground themselves. Now, Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Rabbi Yehuda comes and argues about a couple of the examples brought above. And he says that kolshu min kolala, anything which is a species of damage, it's a type of food which either does damage or is damaged. And this includes locusts, which damage produce and it includes unripe fruit, which are damaged themselves. They're inherently bad quality. So for things like this, we don't make any bracha on them. They're sort of not worthy of a bracha because of their bad quality. Now the truth is, many Mepharshim understand that even according to Yehuda, you can't eat these things without having made a bracha. As we've seen, logic dictates that one cannot benefit from Hashem's world without praising Him for it. Rather, according to Yehuda, one should try and make a bracha on something else. So you should say, let's say, a shahakal on something else, and then that will cover you for these bad quality things as well. It's just that you shouldn't make the bracha itself on these bad quality foods. Mishnah Dalad, on a similar note, as we'll see in a moment, if somebody had many types of the same bracha food in front of him, so let's say he had lots of fruit in front of him, and the bracha of all of them is Burpior 8. As we said, one doesn't need to make a Burpior 8 on every single fruit that he eats. Of course, he just makes one at the beginning, and that covers him for the rest of the fruit that he will eat. And just as we saw in the previous Mishnah, one should try to make a bracha on something more significant, which should then cover the less significant things. The same applies over here. But the question is, what is considered the most significant of all the fruit? So Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, If among those fruit, or any of the shivas haminim, which are the seven fruit or the seven types of produce, which the Torah itself praises the land of Israel for, which clearly indicates how significant they are, then one should make a bracha on one of the Shavas Aminim because of their significance, and then that should cover him for other fruit, which are also Boropio 8. The Gemara explains there's actually a specific order of significance even within the Shavas Aminim, depending on the order of the Pasuk, but be it as it may, Yehuda holds that the most significant fruit are those which the Torah praises the land of Israel for having. However, the Chachomim and the Chachomim argue, and they say, one should make the bracha on whichever of the fruit he wants, meaning, not whichever fruit he wants right now, but whichever one is his favorite fruit in general. That's how we're going to understand the Chachomim's opinion. That whichever of the things in front of him he generally prefers, that's what is considered the most significant. We go by personal preference, and therefore he should make the bracha on that, and then that should cover him for the rest of the produce over there, which has the same bracha. Mishnah Hey, the Mishnah continues the discussion of one bracha covering multiple foods or drink. Now, during the times of the Mishnah, they would often drink wine before the meal started, and at least on special occasions like Shabbos and Yom Tov, they would have wine again at the end of the meal just before they benched, just before the after-blessing of Birk Samazin. And the mission tells us that if somebody made a bracha 
on the wine which came before the food, so before the bread and the main part of the meal, then he has exempted the wine which comes after the meal, just before they say meaning he does not need to say another for the later wine which he will drink. And the reason for this is because even though there's this big meal separating the two drinkings, since it was normal for them on these special occasions to drink wine at the end of the meal, we presume that when he made the bracha at the beginning of the meal, he had in mind for the bracha to cover the later wine as well, because he knew he would have it. And therefore the beginning bracha covers the wine which he will have later as well. Now the halacha is that other than wine, everything which one has during a meal which he has bread in, he does not need to make a bracha on. You make hamaitzi at the beginning on the bread, and that exempts everything else which you have during that meal. And the reason for this is a very important principle, which the Mishnah will say explicitly in the next Mishnah, but we'll bring it in here, and that is Iker v'tofel, which means the primary main thing, and the secondary thing. The halacha is that if you have foods, and one is secondary to the other, then making a bracha just on the primary food covers even the secondary food. Therefore, if you have bread in a meal, then anything else in the meal which you eat in order to satisfy your hunger is secondary to the bread because the bread does that most significantly. It satisfies your hunger the most, and it's the most significant food which you're going to eat in order to satisfy your hunger, and therefore, once you've made hamotzi, you don't make any more brachas during that meal. However, if you have something during that meal, not in order to satisfy yourself, but just for the taste, for example, dessert. Dessert is not meant to fill you, fill you up, and therefore it's a different function to the bread, and that's why you do make a bracha on food which you have in dessert, even if it's before birkas hamozin. Says the Mishnah, If one made a bracha on parperes before the meal began, before he said hamotzi on bread, what exactly is parperes? Parperes is anything which is generally eaten with bread. So it's not eaten as its own course without any bread, but you, you would usually have it when there is bread on the table with it. For example, meat, eggs, those would all come under the category of parperes. So since parperes is usually eaten together with bread, but more importantly, it's eaten in order to fill one up, Therefore, if you say hamaitzi, you're not going to have to make a bracha on parperes during the meal, because it's covered by the hamaitzi. However, you do need to make a bracha if you have the parperes at the end of the meal. But the Mishnah tells us that if you had parperes before you even made hamaitzi, then that bracha exempts you making another bracha on the parperes, which you have at the end of the meal, which you would normally need to make a bracha on, because since you made a bracha before, this covers the parperes which you have for dessert as well. Now, how exactly you define when the end of the meal, when dessert begins, is a subject of debate. Many understand it to be when you sort of clear the table. So any food you bring after that, once you've cleared all the bread off the table, then you would make brachas from then. Says the Mishnah, something we said before, outside, If you make a bracha on bread, so you say hamaitzi, then potes parperes, you now have exempted the parperes from needing to make a bracha on it. And that's talking about parperes during the meal. Something during the meal which you have in order to satisfy your hunger, you do not need to make a bracha on it because it is known as tofel, secondary to the bread, which is the ikar, the primary food. On the other hand, la parperes, if you make a bracha on parperes before hamaitzi, then certainly lo poteres apas, you haven't exempted the bread, even if you have in mind when you, when you make a bracha on the parperes, that you want to exempt the bread, that would not work and you would need to make a bracha on the bread because something secondary, something tofel, cannot cover something which is ikar. Beis Shammai and Beis Shammai say, not only does the parperes not cover bread, it doesn't even cover something like porridge, which is not as primary as bread, 
even that, the broch you make on Papyrus doesn't have the power to cover it. Rather, after making a broch on Papyrus, you would need to make a broch on everything else.